Well, good evening, everyone. This is the story. The story of all stories. That Jesus Christ, born on Christmas, crucified on Good Friday, raised from the dead on Easter, and coming again. There is no story like this story. And tonight, I want to explore one of the uh, sub-themes of this story with you for just a couple of minutes, a few minutes. And to get at that, I want to tell you another story. It's not a biblical story, but it sets up where I want to go. It's a story about a really old man who wanted desperately to have a son. As a matter of fact, he wanted a son so badly, a son that he couldn't have, that he carved a little boy out of wood, a wooden puppet. And that night when the old man was asleep, that wooden puppet came to life. And that puppet was told if he was very good and very brave, one day he could become a real boy. Uh, but life is full of complications, especially for little boys, little wooden puppets. And so he ended up making a couple pretty bad decisions. For example, on the very first day of school, two individuals approached him, appealing to his pride, and convinced him that he could become wealthy and famous if he would join the International Traveling Wooden Puppet Show. So instead of going to school, that's exactly what he did. But that was a temptation. And like all temptations, behind it is a lie, is deceit. And so that little wooden puppet ended up spending day after day when he was not performing in a cage, locked in a cage. Some time goes by and he escapes, only to make an even worse decision. A difficult, difficult situation arose that he didn't see, and he was lured away. You see, this little wooden puppet was unsure of himself, and he badly, uh, real badly, wanted to be accepted by his friends. So they invited him to join them as they went to a place called Pleasure Island where there are no rules, no authorities, and little boys, little wooden puppets can do whatever they want, and they did. The problem was hanging over the island, hanging over Pleasure Island, was a terrible curse. And that was if you did just whatever you wanted and you followed no rules, then eventually you would turn into a donkey. A metaphor for your enslavement to your pleasures. And that almost happened to our puppet. But fortunately, almost at the end, almost when it was too late, he escaped. And he returned home uh, looking for his father, the father that had created them, the father that loved him, only to discover that the father's life was in danger as he had been searching far and wide throughout the world to find this little puppet. There are more adventures in the story, but eventually they are reunited and they are safe. And because of the heroics of that little wooden puppet, 
He has turned into a real boy, and we know his name as Pinocchio. Pinocchio was a novel written in 1883. Disney took it, created a film, and it's become one of the most celebrated of all the Disney films of all time. As a matter of fact, Pinocchio is only one of a handful of films that has received a perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes. And we all believe Rotten Tomatoes, right? Now why? Uh, Why is Pinocchio such a love story? Well, for the same reason, frankly, that Luke Skywalker is or Princess Elsa or Cinderella and on and on. Because Pinocchio, the story of Pinocchio is ultimately about man's fundamental search for identity. And we're all just like Pinocchios. We all are looking, we're all searching, we're all doing whatever we can to find our real self, to make ourselves real, to answer the Fundamental questions that unite us in our humanity. Who am I? Where do I fit in? What is my role? What is my significance? What am I here for? Uh, Where am I headed? Is it my grades or is it my job? Musical ability, athletic ability. Is it having cool friends? Is it my appearance? Is it my digital presence, my Instagrams? The number of friend requests I get, on and on. And speaking honestly, I want you to know, I spent the first decades of my life uh, revolving my identity around being cool, trying to be cool. I never succeeded. Uh, But for me, the way that got expressed is in appearance and in friends. What is it for you? What are you tethering your identity to? Who are you? Where do you fit in? One of the things that makes Christianity unique among the religious, or the religions, I should say, of the world, one of the things that separates Christianity from secularism, uh, uh, from uh, secular psychology and sociology, is that Christianity claims that Christmas answers the question of our search for identity. And the answer is vertical. It's not horizontal. It's not your circumstances. It's not your accomplishments. It's not your victories. It's the person of Jesus Christ born at Christmas. So what I want to do tonight is line this out. And I want to talk about, fairly quickly, three claims of Christianity. Jesus is our God, Jesus is our joy, and Jesus is our identity. So let's look at what the angel said to the shepherds outside Bethlehem about this baby born at Christmas. Let's read Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Look, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a feeding trough, a manger. Now let's look at verse 11. Verse 11 is fascinating because as the angel announces this uh, to the shepherds, the angel assigns three titles to this baby born in Bethlehem. Savior, Messiah, Lord, suffering servant, anointed king, and sovereign ruler of the universe. Savior, Messiah, Lord. These are all titles of deity describing this little bitty baby. In other words, the angel says that the good news I'm telling you about is about a baby, fully man to be sure, who is also fully God. Fully man, fully God, Savior, Messiah, Lord. And so while this is a baby, uh, the angel wants us to understand uh, this is the creator, the one who has created all things, the center of all things, the sustainer of all things, the ruler over all things. Uh, This little baby is the Savior, Messiah, Lord. He knows every hair on your head, every atom in the universe, and every longing of your heart. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Now, Savior, the title the angel begins with, takes us in just a little bit different direction. And the angel tells us this baby, as Savior, overflows with compassion, mercy, tenderness, grace, forgiveness, a longing to know us, to to rescue us, and on and on. Savior means that instead instead of abandoning us, Because we all have chosen Pleasure Island. That Jesus, this baby, born at Christmas, left his home in heaven, left the splendor of heaven to live without a home on earth in order to go to the cross to die in our place for our sins. Uh, So the, the moment we believe, the moment we receive Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, we might find a home with him. Now, this is important because one of the teachings of Christianity is in this life, in this life, home is not a place. It's a person. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus Christ. It's the good news. Now, let me give you an illustration of this because I think it's important. It's a crazy illustration. Bear with me. Imagine a president of the United States leaving the White House and choosing to become homeless on the streets of Washington, D.C. And in addition, choosing uh, intentionally to endure ridicule and rejection, torture and death. The angel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is this is precisely what Jesus has done. He left the heavenly White House, if you will. He endured uh, unspeakable agony even though he was completely always perfect. 
And so I wonder, this Christmas Eve 2017, have you received this Jesus, Savior, Messiah, Lord? Do you know him? Do you really know him? But not only is Jesus our God, Jesus is our joy. This is verse 10 in the angel's proclamation to the shepherds. And the angel does something very interesting. The angel connects joy to Jesus. Now when the angel talks about joy, he talks about great joy. He's not talking about uh, momentary happiness because your team is one. Or, or because this event has gone your way or this circumstance. He's not talking about like a, a temporary giddiness. He's talking about a sustainable joy uh, that is deep. It, it's a sense of wholeness, a sense of shalom, a sense of uh, well-being that pours through every fiber of your life that gets you through life's darkest moments. The angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. In other words, what he is telling us is that Jesus Christ was born to give us our joy back. Our joy back. What incredible news. So what the angel is saying in making this connection is Jesus is to your joy what a foundation is to a building what an engine is to a car, what your heart is to your body. Jesus has come to give you your joy back. Now last week, Pastor Lon Allison, who's sitting right here, was up here on this platform telling us that the doctors have discovered that he has a very rare and very serious form of liver cancer. And we all have wept with Lon. Now, that was last Sunday. Four days later, on Thursday of this week, Lon was in my office, and we were talking. We were talking about his cancer. We were talking about a lot of other things. And I got to tell you, I was amazed at his joy. His joy. Jesus has come to give you your joy back. Now, Lon's joy isn't a joy, oh, man, I am so glad I have cancer. But it's that I know that God, that Jesus Christ has me in his arms. And his love, his plan for my life, his power, all of that is perfect. And it enables me to transcend very dark and difficult news. you have that joy? Do you experience that kind of joy? This confidence, this peace, that your life is in God's hand. The Old Testament tells us that God has written our names on the palm of his hands. You know that. So what is Christmas all about? Is it just about the food? Is it just about the fun, the family, uh, you know, the presents? We've got a house full of six grandkids. They cannot wait to open presents. Rhonda and I cannot wait for them to open presents. Well, the Bible tells us, Christianity claims, 
that Jesus is our God, Jesus is our joy. And now I want to conclude with talking about Jesus is our identity. And I want to move from the beginning of Jesus' earthly life to the end. When Jesus is alone with his disciples, just hours before he is crucified, and he is teaching them, he's instructing them. And here Jesus is alone with these early Christians. And what does he do? In a remarkable way, he talks about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What it looks like. And as I've thought about this, and I've been reading about this and studying this, I've got to tell you, this is crazy. And it's one of the things in a church like ours we don't talk about enough. And it may be one of the things that you haven't really thought about when you think about the Christ of Christmas. So look at what Jesus says in John chapter 17. Father, he is praying, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be, he's referring to believers, followers of Jesus Christ, who have welcomed and received Christ, may they be, now get this, in us. And then he says, I in them, and you in me. Now let that sink in. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to be a believer in Jesus Christ? It means you are in Jesus Christ, and Jesus is in you. Now theologians call this our union with Christ. And the point of it all is that Jesus was born and Jesus died not merely to forgive you, but to unite himself to you. Christ in you, you in Christ. And so what does Christmas mean? Well, one of the things Christmas means is that Jesus Christ was born outside you to live inside you. And we tend to think about forgiveness. We don't think about this intimacy, this relationship. I'm in Christ, Christ is in me. Now, how does this relate to identity, our search for identity, our search for significance? Well, what Jesus is telling uh, these disciples that know that something is up and they're insecure and uncertain about the future, uh, Jesus says, you know, your identity isn't a function of what you do. Your identity is a function of what I have done for you. In my perfect life, my perfect death, my resurrection. And what has Jesus done for us? Well, what Jesus tells us in these words in John is it's all about recovering a relationship. In other words, Jesus is telling the disciples, you're going to be okay, I'm leaving. I'm about to be crucified. But I am in you and you are in me. And Jesus is talking about the wonder of a relationship and he's giving us the relationship that we long for that was lost in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Jesus launched the world's recovery movement. And it's all about recovering a relationship with him. I have united myself to you. I indwell you. In a bond so deep, so personal, so intimate that the metaphor the Apostle Paul uses in the New Testament to describe it is marriage. To be a believer in Jesus Christ is to be married to Christ. And in the best of marriages, what does that mean? 
It means that all Jesus is and all that Jesus has is ours. So I wonder, why is it that we as Christians get frozen in our fears? Christ is in us. Uh, why do we try to justify our existence by our performance, our abilities, our accomplishments, the behavior of our kids, our, our jobs? We are married to Jesus. To know Jesus is to be married to Jesus. Uh, this is where the good news of the birth of Christ is taking us when we end up just hours before the death of Christ. It's a relational thing. There is nothing Jesus Christ longs for more than a deep personal relationship with you. And you are secure and you are significant because you are in Christ and Christ is in you. American Idol, one of the most popular TV shows ever, right? But for the contestants, it's high stress, high stakes, one mistake and you're out. One of the most stressful moments of their life. But at the end of every season, when the winner is announced, the winner is brought back and performs, he or she performs one more time. Not in order to win, but because they've already won. And so there's nothing left to prove. Uh, uh, the stress is gone. And for the performer, it's all sheer joy. This is the freedom from anxiety. The angel announced at the birth of Christ. Why he calls it good news of a great joy. Because Jesus Christ has come to answer our search to fulfill our search for identity. So we don't have to win our forgiveness. We don't have to win our significance. We don't have to win our identity. Jesus Christ won it for us. And the good news of great joy is that Jesus was born outside you to live inside you. And so if you've never come to Jesus, I want to invite you to come to him now. To say yes to the wonder of his life and his death and his resurrection. Jesus died that you might recover your identity. Come to him. Let's pray. For those of you that the Spirit is speaking to, the, the Spirit is tugging on your heart, and you're, you're sensing the Spirit whisper to you, I invite you right now to say yes to Jesus. To admit to Him that you have fallen short, that you have pursued other lovers, other joys, other identity, to confess to him 
that you are a sinner that has sinned. But we don't stop there. Go on and thank Jesus that he was born to die in your place. To take on himself the very thing that separates you from God. That you might have find acceptance in the presence of God. Thank him. And invite him to be your Savior, your Messiah. Father, we praise you that it's in your presence in our lives through Jesus Christ that we find this joy, this identity. Oh God, fill our hearts, fill our minds with it this Christmas. Amen. Amen. <laughs>